We're out of place I'm doing fine I'm feeling great You're not my fan You can't relate Straight talk going safe It's not safe Before you cross me Look both ways Leaving the scene With no trace Not in my lead You out of place I'm not at the top I'm out of space Can't eat with us We're out of place I'm doing fine I'm feeling great You're not my fan You can't relate Straight talk going State to state What's going on, guys? Your host, your boy, George Mackay. I'm back in the studios. Man, do I got a great one. I got someone who was a big part of my childhood, someone I appreciated and I admired. Please help me welcome the Mountie, Jacques Rougeau, to Straight Talk Wrestling. How are you? Hey, how you doing? Boy George, huh? Holy shit. That's a, what an entry. I, you know, I watch Boy George still today because I watch a lot of The Voice just about yeah. uh, every day. Every day, and I, uh, Camille, 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 and whatever. Come a chameleon. <laughs> Come a chameleon. Yeah, yeah, but I, I, anyway, uh, thanks for having me on your podcast. And uh, and your, your daughter is absolutely fabulous, by the way. Oh, thank you very much, sir. It's an honor to have you on the podcast. You are, without a doubt, someone who was a big part of my childhood. Uh, you discussed briefly with my daughter, but I'd love to get a little bit more in depth with it. Uh, the jailhouse match, uh, one of the most iconic uh -huh. matches, my favorite SummerSlam of all time because of that match, but so many other great things that happened. Uh, talk to me about like the inspiration, the story built for that match. Like I know it was the U.S. law versus the Canadian law. It's always U.S. versus Canada. We've seen that storyline done, but you guys did it so fresh and different that every time I watched that match, I learned something new. Yeah, it's amazing. Thanks for the compliment. But you know, it was one of my favorite ones too. You know, and then as when I go uh, 30 years later, I do comic cons and. And the first thing people come around me and they just whisper sometimes in my ear when I get close to the fans, because I like to get really close to them when I take pictures with them. I take my shock stick out and I, I take a picture like I act like I'm going to zap them or something. And then I tell them to put their face like, you know, and something like that. Then we take a flick, you know, and then when they get really at ease with me, you know, and they, they see that we're having fun, they always slide in that word jailbird, you know, like, <laughs> and I look at them like, hey. You're going a little too personal there, you know, but, uh, but, but what a great, great moment in my career because, uh, yeah, there was a Canadian law enforcement officer who was a bad policeman who used to beat up all the good, clean guys like Tito Santana, Coco Beware, I zapped them all. And then at the same time, I'm always sending a message to boss man, like I'm the international law enforcement officer. You're just from Georgia, you know, like you're just a small time cop, you know, and, and, and he was beating all the, the villains. And he, so he was really always point, pinpointing me out, like, Mountie, I'm coming for you. Mountie, I'm coming for you. And it, the buildup was so great because, first of all, I must attribute that to uh, Ray Trailer. Ray Trailer was the big boss man. For those who don't know his real name, it's Ray Trailer. He was, um, he was like an Owen Hart. He was like a kind of guy in the dressing room that everybody loved him. He didn't have any enemies. He was so kind and so funny. He was a baby. He was like a child, just like me. You know, he was very young in character, you know, <laughs> like, you know, his attitude was like he still stayed a kid all his life. And what a, a lovable guy. And I wasn't so lovable, but he was really a lovable guy. <laughs> and then so, so when you work with a guy like that, the shimmy gets together. Like, you know, you, and he was so generous of his of his time and his and the matches, like you know, he was one of the few guys in the business that would always look out after me and say, "Well, what do you want to do, Jacques? Like, what would you like to do?" And th instead of thinking of what I need to do, you know. So he was that kind of guy. So when you work with a kind of like, it's so fun. So you, the more someone gives to someone, well, the more the other person wants to give back. And then, so that's the relationship I had with Ray Trailer. And you know, he tried some. We did some things together that uh, that he wouldn't do normally, or that I wouldn't do normally. But I trusted him. And I and when you like somebody like that, you make a second effort, you know, to to give him something special that he wants. And and when we did, I'll never forget that day when uh, we had this big buildup, and we're going to Madison Square Gardens now. And I know that the uh, the uh, what's it called there, the wagon there that uh, that comes and picks you up there when Addy you, wagon. The paddy wagon, yeah. The paddy wagon would go up all the way to the fifth floor where the New York Rangers play hockey at, you know, in the Madison Square Garden. It's on the fifth floor. But there was a way for the paddy wagon to go all the way up to the fifth floor. And uh, and, and I knew that was coming. And, and, and the setup was so great. And plus, it was a pay-per-view. It was seen around the world. Every arena around the world was sold out, but there was no wrestling. It was only giant screens. You know, the only place that there was wrestling was in Madison Square Garden. And, and I remember that uh, because, you know, although... You know, we always have a pretty good idea where the storyline is going. There comes a time in the storyline where you you hope, like you know, and and I was hoping I'd beat him. You know, I was hoping that I'd send him to jail. You know, and uh, and so 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 early that morning, I was 
so excited, you know, that was the event was that night. And then I get a call at the hotel room and it's uh, Pat Patterson who, who, who calls me and he says, Jacques, he says, listen, he said, it was like nine o'clock in the morning. He says, Jacques, he says, would you mind coming to the New York precinct? You know, the, the police station. He says, we're going to do a couple of videos. And then I, man, I said, holy shit, it don't look good. It don't, it don't look good for me. But anyway, so we went to do those classic videos where the ones where then, then I knew what my position was, but I, w I didn't mind because I was so happy to be in that position. But, but, but when we did that, I'm, I'm just trying to remember of all the, the, the sequences. And the, the fun part about that is like I was one of the main events with Hulk Hogan that night, you know, but, but they, they put us on like on second match in the evening. Like, you know, there was like 11 matches or 10 matches. And I was on the second match when we got on the show. And, and, and I was a little, you know, I was a little like, oh, that's too bad. But then I understood why after, because after every match during the evening, you'd have me and Gene Okerlund and uh, Jesse the Body Ventura by the ring and say, well, you know, me and Gene, let's go back to the New York precinct and see how the Mounties doing. Because I'd already been arrested and already put in the paddy wagon. So then I remember those sequences like it was yesterday. They wanted to take my prints with my fingers, like, you know, to put, make me look like a criminal. You know, like, we need your prints. And I, you can't do this to me. I'm an international law enforcement officer, and I want my lawyer. And I was screaming stuff like that. And the, the guy was saying, give me your finger. And I was saying, give me your finger. And then finally, I was pulling back, pulling back. And then I said, you want the finger? Here's the finger. And, and that made so much noise across the wrestling world. And then there was another time we did another video where they had a, a frame behind my numbers, behind my neck, like, you know, my back to make like a, I have a, a criminal record, you know, and, and, and I was complaining. I had my head down like this the whole time, like I wouldn't look up to take the picture. And here comes Big Bossman in the back where people didn't know that. So Big Bossman comes in to play and he says, hey, Mountie, he says, uh, you're going to be spending the night in jail tonight. He says, who's going to spend the night with your with your woman? And I went like, and I looked up and then they took the picture, you know, and there were so many scenes. And the one at the last scene that was incredible when they were putting me in that jail and, they, and, and as soon as they put me behind bars, I was screaming, I want my lawyer, you can't do this to me. And there was a guy tapping me on my shoulder in the back and I said, leave me alone. And then he tapped me again. I looked around and when I looked around, there was this huge monster, like he was huge and big. And I looked at him and I looked like, and then I started looking up to him and then the camera gets right in my face. like. And then it gets in his face, like, and then it gets really close to his face, and he goes, hi. And then, you know, and like, and he was gay. And, you know, and, and oh, my God, the people were saying, the Mountie's going to get tonight, baby. He's going to get it. And, but, but that, that made a lot, a lot of, of, of I, don't, I don't know how to say that. It was probably one of the highlights of my career, as far as people remind me of. It was funny. The script was great. You know, they wrote a great script. And uh, so, so uh, it, it was amazing that that match. I'll never forget that match as long as I live. Absolutely. It's still, like I said, it still holds up. It's still, it was a big, big time in my childhood. That was one of the first SummerSlams that I actually had on tape. So I would go back and rewatch it all the time. <laughs> it still holds up to this day, even though like, just like my daughter said, we watched it last night in preparation for our conversation with you today. But you know, you had a lot of great feuds a lot of great moments in your career. And one ties into one of the first videos we're gonna show, but I loved the Fabulous Rougeau's versus the Hart Foundation, where Jimmy wow. Hart kind of flipped sides and he took their money. And uh, by far the anvil cut one of my favorite promos. That's 50%, we're gonna give him the big elbows. That's 15%, we're gonna punch him in the face. Like it was one of my <laughs> favorite, favorite anvil and Bret Hart promos because they switched their temperament halfway through. But that feud was phenomenal. And that ties into one of the first videos. But talk to me about working with the Hart Foundation. Arguably, much like the Rougeaus, one of the greatest Canadian tag teams. Actually, one of the two of the greatest tag teams, in my opinion, of all time. Well, thank you for saying that. I know it's just because I'm there you're saying that. But I got to tell you, thank you anyway. <laughs> no, <laughs> sir. It's the truth. It absolutely is. You and your brother were phenomenal. You, I agree for the Hart Foundation, one of the greatest tag teams to work with for us because it was such a pleasure. And you know what the fun thing was about that is we, uh, although Jim DeAnvil was a little awkward at times, he was a little robotish, you know, he had this charisma with his beard, you know, and his laugh, <laughs> and he, and people loved his character. 
And, 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 and the fun thing about it is we got along so good in the ring. We complimented each other so well that for two years we worked with them and we were good guys, baby faces, and they were heels. And then when they switched and we took the American flags and we became, we moved to Memphis and took their, their manager, Jimmy Hart, and uh, we became all American boys. You know, they, we worked another two years with them because they turned baby face. You know, so we worked four years around the planet you know, from from uh, from from all the way to Tel Aviv, to, to, to Australia, to everywhere around the world, we work with these guys. So, and it was a night off because Brett, the Hitman Hart, one of the greatest technicians of all, and Raymond, my brother, one of the greatest grounded wrestlers of all time. So, so I was putting my high flying in there, and uh, and Jim the Anvil was putting his character in there. So it was all a match of four different characters that really got together and got the job done. And I remember so many times that. Uh, we were actually the best match of the evening, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that I'm just, but not out of popularity, but just out of technicians and going in and putting 25 minutes in a match in a ring where, where we knew how to work a hold and, and stick to the hold and made sense in the ring. You know, it, it, there was a storyline and, and, uh, and so, so it was really wonderful working with those guys. I got to tell you, in Montreal, we had the greatest time with them when we took the belts from them. You know, that was, uh, you know, they always referred to the biggest screw job in the history of uh, WWF is one Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart in Montreal. But that's not the biggest screw job they have. The biggest screw job it was is when we beat in front of 20,000 people the Hart Foundation for the belts. Mm -hmm. And then... Three days later, in the Montreal newspaper, in a small little article, they wrote, because Jimmy Hart's megaphone was there and the wrong guy was in the ring, that we couldn't switch the title, so the Hearts remained champions. So when all, so, so that article that showed in the paper, maybe 100,000 people saw that. But when we won the belts, it was 8 million people that knew that we became champions, and we were going to be on TV Saturday representing Quebec, Canada, around the world as the Rougeau brothers, the new tag team champions of the WWF. So when those 7,900,000 people didn't know, they tuned in on Saturday to watch the show to see us represent the WWF. The hearts just came walking in with the belts and they never acknowledged that we beat them. It was like they're going on to the next business. And that was the biggest screw job, but not for us, but for the wrestling fans in Montreal. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I completely agree. And that, that segment i will say this though you're right like it was a night off when you four were in the ring because i always consider wrestling the great dance when you have that dance partner across <laughs> the ring it's fluidity and i really feel like you four had that fluidity down to a science and it was it was stunning to watch the four of you work it really was what i think one of the things the assets that really made us good especially when we were heels i think we were great wrestlers raymond and i you know as baby faces but good wrestlers very good wrestlers but great heels and what made the difference with the heels and it was funny because it was the first time in our lives that we turned heels so i didn't have the psychology yet we learned it on the spot you know mm -hmm. but being working many years with heels that were good heels like the garvin brothers you know jimmy garvin and ronnie garvin that and and a lot of the guys like jimmy garvin i learned a lot from him because he was one of the kind of heels that i that i took a lot of advice from because he would always do his things behind the referee's back so it's like, so Raymond and I, we cheated so much, but every time the referee to turn around to see something, we were, we were clean, we were legal. So the people were saying, hey, you stupid referee, you turned, you didn't see it, you didn't see it. And then every time the referee turned around, we were legal, you know, and that's what made great heels is when you made, the, you didn't make the referee look like an idiot. Sometimes the referee would turn around in the match and it wasn't time for the hot tag or the comeback or the, the start. And he'd turn around and he'd see a tag that he wasn't supposed to see or something like that. And that would kill the whole match. Mm -hmm. So we always had that technical experience, Raymond and I, that everything that the referee, we always told the referee, if ever you see something and it's not legal, we'll break us. You know, do your job, break us but they'd never catch us because we were always doing it behind their back. And that's why the people were so pissed off at us because they'd say, you cheating son of a, you know, and, and they were pissed off and, and they wouldn't, the heat would not go on the referee. In other words, the people wouldn't hate the referee for not doing his job because he was doing his job that the best that he could, the heat was going on us because we were good cheaters. So that's the difference when you have the heat on the wrestlers instead of the heat on the referee. So that's what made us great heels, Raymond and I. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You were great heels, you and your brother. You're always clean. You're never caught, but they all, everybody knew what you were doing. <laughs> and that made it special. That made it really, really special. 
And also another great match of mine. One of my favorites is a match that I now have to show my daughter because you can put the bug in your ear, but you <laughs> versus Undertaker. And you actually talked about it in your interview with her. He trusted you enough to allow three Powell drivers in one match. And it was, it's, it's hands down. Your body of work is very impressive. And I don't think people give you enough credit for how real, really, really fantastic you were in the ring. And it's not because you're on my show. It's being honest. <laughs> well, you know, George, it was a hell of a compliment because when, when The Undertaker came in, and, and, and it was so funny because he talked to me like he had so much respect to me, you know, to me, and I, I didn't understand it, you know, but I appreciated it very much. But the thing is, is when you have a guy like that, because we all know that the two injuries, the most dangerous in wrestling is, is the neck, the neck injuries and the spine injuries. Mm -hmm. When you get those, you could put a guy in a wheelchair any given day, mm -hmm. you know, if it, and then when, when I suggested to him and I, I brought it to him to his attention, we were sitting in front of each other. I said, I said, uh, Mark, I said, if, if you like, I said, if you trust me enough, I said, I'm an expertise in giving pile drivers. And then I said, and, and we're, but I won't give you a pile driver to, to make you look bad. Uh, on the contrary, I'm going to give you a pile driver to make you look like you just got hit on your head and you stand right back up. And then he lifts right back up. He sits back up. And then I look at him. I said, I'll give you a second one. And then the third one, I give him a pile driver where I, I grab underneath his legs and I put him like a ball there. You know, he's like a ball. And that's a dangerous one. The timing on the head hitting the mat and the legs, just enough flexibility for your legs. When, you, when I fall down like this, my legs are like this, but not too much just enough to protect the guy. And when he gave me that confidence, that trust, that's, that's something that's the most precious to me today in our days, because I see people don't understand that, but, but, but I don't know if I would have done the same thing to another guy who wanted to give me a power driver if I didn't have the trust in him. I would give my body to that to somebody if I knew he was a good worker, or if I knew he was a, a guy that would take care more of his opponent than himself. And you know, when I had my wrestling school all these years, I had a wrestling school for 20 years that I closed down three years ago. And the first, first thing I talked to guys is if ever you pick up a guy for any kind of move in the ring and you feel like you lose your balance, you make sure that your opponent who gave you his body lands even, even if it means you falling crooked and you dislocating a shoulder or breaking your elbow, the guy was good enough to give you his body. And so I always talk that at my wrestling school, you protect your opponent before you protect yourself. And then, and so when you're brought up in a family like that, I'm a third generation of wrestling. So, so it was like my father, my uncle, my brother Raymond was older than me. They all taught me that my great uncle taught my father and my uncle. And, and so, so it was a tradition in our family that, that we always respected our opponents that trusted us. So when Mark gave me that trust, I don't know till this day where he decided to trust me like that. He was sitting in front of me. But when he said yes, wow, you guys go see on Daily Motion that match, the Mountie against the Undertaker. You're gonna freak out that you know that he that he trusted me like that. And I met him just at a Comic Con this weekend. I was with him. And and you know, when I saw him, you know, it was so funny because he's so hot now because going into Hall of Fame and you know, all that 31 times at WrestleMania, I think I can't remember how many times he went there at WrestleMania, but but he, but he's a Nikon, a, 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 one of the top, top wrestlers of all times. And, and when I hadn't seen him in 30 years, and so when I went to this Comic-Con, we all signed about 300, 400 people. There was a bunch of the Steiners. There was a Nasty Boys. There was Beverly Brothers. There was a, the Road Dog and Jeff Jarrett. There was, everybody was there that used to be somebody was there. And, and we signed about two, 300 people, you know, pictures and stuff like that. But the Undertaker had his own spot. And there was a thousand people in the building going all the way to the street that wanted to get their picture with him. So when I went to approach them in that little room, there was like an alley to get there. I asked the the the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the policemen that were there. I said, I said, uh, I want to go by to see him because they stopped me. You know, I became just a jobber in two seconds. You know, and I was like, I said, I became like a groupie. And then I said, uh, I said, I'd just like to go say hi to Mark, you know? And they said, oh, sorry, sorry. I said, sorry. I said, you tell Mark, I said, if he doesn't let me go see him, I'm going to pile drive his ass, you know? And then, so, so you tell him the Mountie Jacques Rougeau wants to see him. So, but, so they looked at me and they saw the confidence in my face and everything. So they went to ask him behind scene. I couldn't even see it. 
And finally, the, the officer just put his hand out and come on, come on, come on. So, so I went in and then he, I took a picture with him and I did a video for Wrestling Academy that we'll talk about a little soon. And, and, and he did a video for me to inspire all the Canadian wrestlers and stuff like that. So, so, so and when we met, it was amazing, George. You know, I, I was like, a, I was seeing family again, you know, and he was always so nice to me in the dressing room. He was one of the guys that always, and like you said, he respected me with the power drivers. He had this great respect for me. So when we hugged, if you go see on my Facebook, Jacques Rougeau, you'll see that his eyes are closed when we hug, you know, and he has his arm hugging my arm too, bringing me close to him. That meant the world to me. You have no idea, George, how much it felt good. I believe it felt good. I believe it felt amazing. I mean, the fact that after 30 years you see each other and it's like you didn't miss a beat. It's like you had never really, <laughs> it's like 30 years was only 30 minutes of not seeing each other. That's incredible you. that you Thank built you. relationships like that. It shows the legend that you truly are. And it should, you Stop should it. be recognized a lot more than you have. You should be. But I got a tough <laughs> question for you now. I got a real tough question. Because you teamed with your brother, but you also discovered and teamed with PCO, Pierre Carlo Ule. So out of both parts, and again, it's two different contrasts of style, but who was the better partner? I've got to ask this question. I have to. And, and I got to tell you, a lot of people ask me that question. It must be an amazing question because everybody asks me this question. And I got to give you the answer that I give to everybody. If I was to imagine the fabulous Rougeau brothers against the Quebecers, like the two meet, the two teams would meet, who would win? And I would, I would have to say me. Because <laughs> either way, you're yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. Okay, I get it. But to be honest with you, like you said, there was two different styles. Raymond and I, you know, you could never take away the, the I don't think there's a better technician uh, being at the right place at the right time, understanding the business than my brother Raymond. Nobody. And, and, and our shimmy that we had, we were brothers. So, you know, we were together since we were young. So I was in the ring with Raymond sometimes. And there would happen, like I'd say, excuse my language, there'd be a fuck up in the match where, you know, that something would happen being at the wrong place at the right time. I would not have to turn around to know what reaction Raymond would do in, his, in that situation. So I knew exactly where he'd go and what he'd do if there was something like that. The shimmy we had together, the, that was incredible. And that's what made us strong, me and Raymond. And, and Carl, him, it was different. Carl was like, he's the big, rugged, tough guy that, you know, and, and I was a guy with the, a little bit with the, the experience, you know, so, so, and, and I was a very athletic wrestler too. So we took a ring and we built, a, we had a ring behind my house and for like four months, we put a ring and we practiced moves on dummies. I don't mean people there. I mean, dummies, like really dummies. And, you know, and we'd, and I'd have to, like, when we do that move there where, where I'd hold Carl like this, he'd be on the top rope with my arms and I'd have to bring him all the way down where, his butt had to land on the other side of the guy. And sometimes the guy were a little too close, a little too far. So, so, but Carl was such a, a light guy for his size. You know, he would never feel heavy. And I was always a good uh, navigator, you know, to bring the guy so the top of his back would land on the guy. And I remember one time, and I'm having a flashback, poor guy. I had a guy one time where, where I misjudged one time and Carl landed like his whole weight on the guy, you know, and, and the guy, I swear to God, Vince McMahon was doing the commentary. He said, oh, my God. And the guy just, the guy just filled up. Thank God the guy had good abs. You know, but, uh, but, 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 but it took a lot of... So, so Carl and I, we were different, but we had the same gimmick, like you said at the beginning. It was the French Canadians, the Canadians against the Americans. And it was like, and that was a gimmick like the Sheik and, the, and Duggan and like all the feuds that always were were national, were not were international, or even the Jap Japanese guys that came in, you know, and the, the Americans are, I got to tell you, George, the Americans are, are a very proud nation, sometimes too proud, but, uh, I, I, and I remember one time, I can't remember what match it was or what era it was, because I had three characters there, but at one time I was coming through, I think it was with Raymond, with Fabulous Rougeau Brothers, and then the Americans were at war with Iraq, and, uh, and, and I remember going into the Lincoln Tunnel, before going into the Lincoln Tunnel, and we're in the middle of the war now, <clears throat> there's big, big, big American flag that must be big, like a building, like a huge building right over the tunnel, and it says, we are the champions. <laughs> and I'm going like, holy shit, like these guys, you know, give them a gun and give them a flag, man. They're like, uh, it's incredible how much they're, they're patriotic. 
the Americans, you know? We are a country where, where we receive countries that are in trouble. You know, mm -hmm. like even now we're having some refugees come from Ukraine, mm -hmm. you know, and then we're helping them out. Uh, the Americans are different, you know, they're, they're very like American, they're the best in the world and, and that. So, so I was always, um, I don't know why I got into that anyway. I don't know what brought me there, but, uh, but the feuds of Americans against any other nation always went over good with the Americans. Absolutely. And that, that was your point. And uh, it, it is, it, it, you're right. Those international storylines, whenever America's feuding with someone, it's always good for business. It absolutely 150% is good for business. One I final question, I then I do want to talk about your project because I'm very excited to speak about the project that you got going. But um, can, you, can you honestly say you're surprised knowing that PCO is still competing at the level he's competing at, at the age he's competing at? I mean, it's, it's unheard of to be going at the speed he's going at the age he is. I, I, like I told you, you know, the first day I met him, you know, he reminded me of Gumby. You know, I told that to your daughter. You know, you know Gumby because you're mm -hmm. older. And, yes, you know, sir. that green, that green little man where you could break in half and it'll always come back straight, you know. Yeah. And Carl was so impressive. I remember when we did some TV appearances in Montreal when we were getting over as the Quebecers. I'd do a lot of talk shows and different shows that were not related to wrestling. But we'd go and we'd set up a ring in the studio or something and, and Carl would just go ahead and, and he'd take a backdrop over the top rope, land on a cement floor. You know, and he'd land on a cement floor from a backdrop over the top rope. And then the, uh, the, uh, the uh, hosts of the show, the people that were hosting the show, they were going like, and they were touching the floor. They, they thought the floor was rigged or something, you know. And no, he's, his body is incredible. And the, and the way he innovated the Frankenstein gimmick, you know, and, the, and everything is like, a, he's a great, great talent. He should be going eventually into the Hall of Fame, him too. Because, you know, he's, he's done so much for the business and different characters. And Jean-Pierre Lafitte with the, the, the pirate. And, you know, he's done so much for the business. And, and, and uh, so, so, yeah, he's, I, I'm amazed today to still see him going. Uh, I, I almost feel like giving him a new name there, the... The bunny there, the energizer bunny, he just keeps on going, keeps on going. You know? and, uh, but, uh, but anyway, yeah, it's amazing. But he, he, he deserves everything that's coming to him. He's a professional. He always was. And, uh, and power to him and the best of luck for him to, to continue whatever he could do. But, uh, yeah, I wish him nothing but the best, Carl. Absolutely. And I think you're right. Not only does he belong in the Hall of Fame, rightfully, but as do you. I believe the, the matches that you had, the iconic feuds that you had, the way you helped the business, especially here in Canada, you were one of the staples next to the Hart family. The Rougeaux were a staple here in Canada. And I don't think wrestling would be as big as it is here without you guys kind of being the forefront. So I, I, I do believe your Hall of Fame is overdue. Well, thank you very much. And I, and I do appreciate that. But I, I, I always say that on interviews, you know, if I have a message to send to Vince, you know, it's always the same one. It's like, Vince, you shouldn't put people in the Hall of Fame for your personal relationship we have with them, but by the talent they had and what they brought to the business. And, uh, and uh, Lord knows if I was there for 10 years and I did three characters, three different characters and, and won so many titles, you know, and then represented his WWF so well, always on time and always professional giving. I remember the matches with I had with the Rockers, Marty Janetti and Shawn Michaels. We had some one hour marathon matches, you know, like, and then we did, and we're doing one hour, the one who, who wins the most fall in a card, you know, and, and, and one time we were in London, England, we did a, a marathon match, like in a one o'clock show in the afternoon. And since there's six hours difference, uh, but earlier in the States, we flew that after that match at three o'clock in the afternoon. We just finished an hour match. We flew into Philadelphia, which when we left at three o'clock in the afternoon, we arrived at three o'clock in the afternoon, six hours later in Philadelphia. And we did another match, another marathon match that night. Wow. And then another match that we did too, that was amazing. I have so much fun telling you this one is after we had it down to path there and the match was just awesome because we always finished the falls six to five for the rockers, you know, at the very end, they beat us, you know, at the last minute. And the people went nuts, you know, because they were into the match tremendously. And then we went to the Madison Square Gardens one night and we played a rib on Vince. You know, we played a rib because we finished the match and then it was six to six. And Vince was like, so, and then I went, I took the microphone and I said, you don't think you're going to get away with this? I want overtime right now, overtime. And we did another 12 minutes. So we did an hour and 12 minutes. And then finally the Rockers kicked our butts. But, you know, and, but you're talking about some, some, some time that we gave to this company, the WWF at the time and WWE. So, so I think that uh, I don't want to feel like I'm uh, 
I want to, I'm going to stay humble on this, but, but I think I have my place in the hall of fame, either with my brother Raymond or as the Mountie or, uh, but, but I, I, uh, I'd like for my brother Raymond and I to be in just for the Rougeau family, because in Canada, there was two families in the West. There was the hearts and the East, there was the Rougeaus. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and, and, uh, and I think that, like you said, whatever, what, we're four generations of wrestlers, you know, and, and I don't think that should be unnoticed in the hall of fame, but one good news I got for you just for the fun of it. I don't know if you know the, the Gagne is Greg Gagne and Vern Gagne. Yes, sir. You know, they're from Minneapolis. Well, they just signed a toy deal story, a toy, uh, a, a toy deal where they're going to have the four generations of the Rougeos in one box. Wow. It's going to be so my great uncle, Eddie Auger, my uncle, Johnny Rougeau, my father, Jacques Rougeau, wow. was the greatest in my book, my hero. They've yeah. never had dogs. So they're going to be in there. And then me, Raymond, and Arma, my other brother, is going to be in there too. And then my three sons are going to be in there. That uh, So just to show that we are a family of four generations of wrestling. So that's going to be like almost a Hall of Fame to me. It's going to be wow. like a, a recognition that will be seen and sold around the world and probably Toys R Us and stuff like that. So you'll have a big, big box because you have Eddie Oje, Johnny Rougeau, Jacques Rougeau, Raymond Rougeau, Jacques Rougeau, Armand Rougeau, Cedric Rougeau, JJ Rougeau, and Emil Rougeau, all in the, in the same box. Well, so, so look at my face right now. I'm like a kidney candy store. When that comes out, I'm buying it. I'm going to send it to you to get your John Hancock on that for sure. <laughs> no, thank you very much. But that, that's an honor that, I, that I'll cherish because we're going to live something to the, and it's funny because my younger kid, Emil, who wrestled 10 years for me in my federation in Quebec, never made it professionally in the big leagues, but he's the one, the funniest one of them all. Because he's going to be father for the first time. I'm going to be grandfather for the first time. Congratulations. So, That's he, amazing. So he's going to, what's amazing is my, now if my son keeps coming, when is the dolls coming out? Because he wants his son to see, you know, that the family and the tradition. And so he'll be able to show his son that, hey, uh, your grandfather, which is me, you know, and then your great grandfather and your great, great, great uncle, Eddie Yoshi. So, so he's making me realize that we're going to leave something that's going to mark uh, the, the Rougeau family for many, many years to come. Absolutely. And that's, that's a great, that's a great hall of fame right there. That that's a collection that is filled with a hundred percent amazing talents all in that box. So when that comes out, you got one purchase guaranteed right here. I'm going to buy that thing <laughs> right away, right away. I'll put it right there underneath the heart foundation, right there. The oh, that's right awesome. There. That's Boom. awesome. Boom. That's awesome. All right. So I do want to talk about this amazing uh, thing that you've got going on, this incredible project that you're working on. I'm so excited to be able to share it with my listeners and you know parts of the world that I, I haven't hit yet, but I know I will because I know there's going to be a lot of eyes on this conversation, is the Wrestling Academy and all the amazing things you're doing. So talk to us about the concept and how things started, and then we'll get into some of the, I guess, the benefits that are going to come from this. Great, great. That's awesome. That's very well said, actually. And, uh, and, and I appreciate your time that you're giving me. Uh, this, this project started like about five years ago where, where there, was a, there was something in French called Star Academy, which was all the singers. It was a, a bunch of singers that were not known, but they were good talent. They were like under, underneath small little areas where they had good singers and they made a competition. They brought them all in and every week they would eliminate some to make it to the last finale where the winner that was left would go to the, uh, the, the uh, Bell Center at the time was like uh, the more the Molson Center, and they would sing in tag team with Celine Dion, you know. Wow. So that was so that was the biggest biggest thing. So they all the young wrestlers, the all singers. I mean, all, out of Quebec, they all wanted to. Hey, if I get to sing with Celine Dion, it's going to be a, a way to the top for them, you know, like a door to come in to be famous and all that stuff. So I, I watched that. I followed that because I love music. Like I told you earlier, I'm a really big fan of music, of the voice. I watch about an hour of voice every day in my life, every day. And it, it just, it just it turns my little brain off out of wrestling, and I go into music, and I've always loved music. And then so I saw that, and then I said to myself, I started with the pandemic about uh, two years ago. I started my own podcast just for the fun of it, you know, to stay connected with my fans and people and just to be popular still, to, to stay alive. I had just closed my wrestling school. I just closed my, 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 my wrestling territory, which I'd had for 20 years. And it was family-orientated shows that I had. And it was all for the kids and families and stuff like that. And so during my podcast, I had the winner of Star Academy that came because I had hockey players, I had singers, I had, I had George St. Pierre from MMA, I had you know, GSP, I had, I had all kinds of people that, that I didn't even know, but, but 
I was their hero. You know, it's funny because they watched me when I was young, you know, and but it was different disciplines. And uh, so I had them all come on my podcast and they all gave me a hand. You know, for free, they wouldn't charge me nothing. They just come and do my podcast for me, and uh, to keep me alive. And and uh, so I did that. And then I had Maria Lenzbein in my podcast, which was the singer that won, the girl that won to sing with Celine Dion. And and she started singing in my little hut. I had you know those little huts in Florida and in Cuba where you have little. Uh, it's anyway, it's little huts by the beach there, and uh, that's what I had at home. I had a little hut there, and I had my little podcast in there. Nice. And remember, once people want to go see my podcast, there's some in English, but most in French. But it's called the uh, Rougeau Podcast, Father and Son, Rougeau Podcast Perifis. So if ever people want to go have fun, I did two years of those things, and uh, and uh, so I had her in my podcast. And then I, I since I love music, I say, Hey, Marie-Hélène, I said, Would you mind singing, you know, a little song a cappella? You know, we don't have a band or nothing. And so she started singing. And the roof of my goddamn tiki almost took off. She could sing the hell. So then I started thinking, wow, you know, Star Academy, Wrestling Academy. You know, wow, Star Academy, Wrestling Academy. And then I started saying to myself, wow, what if I manage, instead of, because, you know, there's 10 provinces in Canada, for those who don't know, <laughs> and there was 10 provinces, and, but every province has their own territory. Like their own little indies, their federation, their indies. And I said to myself, I told my girlfriend, she's very close to me on this project. And I told her, I said, what if we got managed to get a few talent from every province and we put them together, like 40 contestants, male and female, and we make them an elimination match where the winner doesn't count. We're going to flip a coin in the dressing room to see who goes over, who wins. It's not important, but I'll be the, I'll be the really the judge of how the match is going to go. Like example. If we flip a coin and let's say Emmy Crimson wins the match against a cast, a cast uh, uh, I'm, I'm thinking of Sissy Galavis or Laurel Cassidy. Well, I want to make sure that if, if uh, Amy Crimson wins the match, that she only owns 40% of the match, that she looks good, that the loser has 60% of the match to shine. And the reason why is because I wanted to keep everybody to have a, a merchant value after the match. And I wanted everybody to look good in this. And plus the great thing about this is like 40% of the of the, the votes are gonna be done by judges around the ring. But 60% of the votes are gonna come from Australia, from Europe, you're gonna text with your phone to see who you wanna keep and who you wanna get rid of. Wow. You know, so it's gonna be like a reality show. So we're putting everybody like that together. And, uh, and I had that idea. And then it's so funny because I had a guy like uh, Jordy Taylor, uh, from from Vancouver, and then Chad Daniels from Winnipeg, and then uh, Cole Buska from 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 Alberta, and then I had some guys, every Chris Dillon from Halifax. They were all they all watched me when they were kids, you know. So when I put that on, and you know, the wrestling world is a small world. So everybody, I was putting that out to everybody. You want to join in, join in. So without knowing, I had forty contestants, and then and, and I said to myself, "Wow, this is going to be awesome," you know. And everybody, and then I start thinking. I need some encouragement for this contest. So I went to find four sponsors that gave $5,000 each. So, so we're going to have four winners that are going to win $5,000. You know, on the independent circuit, when you make $100 a night, it's great, you know, or, or 200 if you're lucky. You know, and some make 25 and some don't even get paid. You know, they just do that on the weekend for the fun or the passion of wrestling. So I said, if I make four winners of $5,000, it's going to be really interesting because they're only going to wrestle three times if they make it to the end in the last four. Mm -hmm. So I was saying, wow. But then I said to myself, why don't I do something else? I said, if I could have an opportunity to have the four winners win one day to go to a wrestling school in the United States. And, and I was told that the Nightmare Factory by QT Marshall and then and uh, there was Glacier and there was... a. Uh, uh, one of the roads there, Cody Rhodes, I think. There were three owners of the Nightmare Factory. And I didn't even know these guys because I got to put you in context now, George. For 30 years, I haven't watched wrestling because when I had my falling out with Vince McMahon, I just turned the TV off. I said, I don't want it to see any more wrestling because it was painful for me the way we finished our relationship. So I, so I don't know the talent today that exists and all that. I didn't know Cutie Marshall, who he was, Cutie Marshall. But someone gave me his number and that's so, all. So I called him. And I asked him, I said, Cutie, I said, can, 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 uh, my name is Jacques Rougeau. He says, oh, how you doing, Mr. Rougeau? He calls me Mr. Rougeau. He says, how you doing, Mr. Rougeau? So I said, oh, that looks good. You know, at least he's got respect for me. So then he says, uh, I said, I was wondering, I have four winners of 5,000. I'd like to have them feel like they were 
international flavor. You know, I'd like them to go to Atlanta to your nightmare factory. And if you could just evaluate them for one day, bring them in the ring, look at them and then have them do promos, you know, just to show what they could do. That would inspire them tremendously for my contest. So, so he said, sure, I'll do that. So then for, that was eight months ago. So for six months, I'm going on every podcast around the world, Liverpool, Australia. I'm going in the States. I'm doing every podcast. I'm doing three a week now for the last eight months. And I'm and, and every podcast I'm doing, I'm showing a video of QT Marshall saying that he's going to be part of this thing. So now, not knowing that, that, that I was really creating, I had no idea. So about two months ago, QT Marshall calls me up. Now we're six months into this project. And QT calls me up. He says, uh, uh, Mr. Rougeau, he says, we got a problem. I said, oh, no, 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 no. Don't take my don't take my prize out, please. You know, I'm saying that. I was afraid he's going to say that. He says, no, no. He says, we got a problem. He says, my phone at the Nightmare Factory is red. He says, everybody's calling from around the world. They want to come join. They're hearing about the Nightmare Factory. They're hearing about this. And you're, you're, such, you're doing such a great job of promoting my Nightmare Factory. He says, why don't we give your winners a week instead of a day? So I'm going like, holy shit. So I'm saying, so I call all my talent across Canada. I give them the good news. I said, hey, guys, you know what that means? I said, I'll tell you what it means. It means that instead of you going one day in front of this international school, wrestling school, and you get your throat dry, you're so nervous, and you don't have a second chance to make a first impression, I said, now, if you, excuse my language, but if you fuck up on Monday, you got Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday to make up. So they went crazy. And about a, a month ago, a month ago, QT Marshall, he must have fell in love. He must have thought this was his pet project. So if you have a chance, I'm going to save the surprise. Why don't you show the video of the latest video of QT Marshall that went from one day to one week to let's show what happened. Hey everybody, this is QT Marshall from All Elite Wrestling and one of the owners of one of the best training facilities in the world, the Nightmare Factory. And I wanted to give a quick shout out to Nick who runs a Rise podcast and this evening has Jacques Rougeau on there and Jacques has a great project in the works. I'm excited about it. In fact, the Nightmare Factory has even uh, told Mr. Rougeau that the winners of this project will receive a special three-month, 12-week scholarship to the Nightmare Factory, which has seen athletes from all over the world come train with us. And, and honestly, some have signed contracts with major wrestling organizations in the world, such as AEW and stuff like that. So um, I'm excited for this project. I think it's a great for, for aspiring professional wrestlers all throughout Canada. Um, I support it, and I hope that if all works out well, I'll be able to come up to Montreal and partake in being one of the judges of this of this special project. So good luck to everyone. Just wanted to say hello. Just wanted to let everybody know that it is me um, and we are offering this scholarship to the winners. So uh, you can read into it, whatever you want, but you've heard it straight from the horse's mouth. It is true. And again, good luck to everyone and hopefully see you soon. Wow. Three months at the Nightmare Factory. Now, Say it again. Say it again. Say it again. Three months for the four winners at the Nightmare Factory. You know what that means, George? I'll tell you what it means. It means forget the first impression. You don't have a second chance. And then forget about a week later you're there. It's now finally it's not Mr. Uh, Mr. Marshall. It's uh, after one week. It's uh, well, thank you, QT. But after one month, it's like, hey, buddy. How you doing? And after two months, it's, hey, buddy, how you doing? And after three months, it's like, they he fell in love with our talent, our four winners. They become friends. And there's two, criti uh, two uh, critics, uh, not critics, there's two things that make you become a wrestler, a professional wrestler in life, and, and that can make it happen. It's, first is like in hockey and other, other sports. Many people are good, but they don't know the right people. And then the second uh, thing that could make it work is like being at the right place at the right time. And being three months at the Nightmare Factory where not only they're with QT, they become friends and everything. All the wrestlers from the big leagues, they go train there, their station. All the AEW wrestlers are live in Atlanta. So they're flying in and out of there. So where do you think they work out at? They work out at the Nightmare Factory. So now you have maybe a superstar, which I don't know the guys that are there, but maybe you have one of the superstars that walk in and they've been seeing uh, one of the talent, the Canadian talent, for three months now. They've been talking, they've been laughing, and then they go by the ring and they say, hey, you know what? Maybe you could work on this a little bit. You know, I would work on that. So now they, they become their little pet project. It's like they want them to succeed. So I honestly think after this video now and after what I see of QT Marshall's interest, becoming wanting to become a guest judge on my last show in Montreal, that's going to be so amazing that I think 
out of the four winners, and it's only my thinking, it's nothing on paper or nothing, but I honestly believe that maybe two out of four are gonna make it to the big leagues. You know, and so this is what this contest has really come to. And then after that, I could, George, I got to tell you, I had some crazy ideas. I started calling the Bushwhacker, Tito Santana, Ricky the Dragon Steve, but all my friends, Coco Beware, and I called that. And then I called Brett the Hitman Hard. And I asked Brett, I said, Brett, can you do me a little inspiration video for the Canadian wrestlers? Because let's be honest with you. The Rougeos in the East and the Hearts in the West, but the most iconic wrestler that ever came out of Canada is Brett. And I believe that sincerely. So I'm saying to myself, if they get inspired by a guy like Brett, well, anyway, let, let's show the video of Brett, how he talks to our Canadian wrestlers, if you don't mind. Absolutely. Check it out, guys. Brett the Hitman Hart, and I want to wish all the best to Jock Rougeau and his Wrestling Academy 2022. I know they got a big event coming up, a big contest, and a great opportunity for wrestlers across Canada, men and women, to train and maybe win $5,000 and ultimately get a chance to train with QT Marshall and the Nightmare Factory and maybe get a chance to maybe wrestle for AEW. But all I know is this is a great opportunity for every young wrestler. And I want to just thank Jock Russo for putting the idea together. I hope it works out really well and may the best wrestlers win. I mean, that inspired me. I'm a fan, but I want to jump in the ring. I want to come to your show now. That's crazy. That, that made me cry. That made me cry because for Brett to do that, you know, for, for all the Canadian wrestlers and for me and, you know, and, uh, and to say that I have a good mind at this business and he endorses this thing, you can't get any better than Brett the Hitman Hart. So I went to start to get all these iconic people to, to give good messages. And then just this last weekend when I was with Undertaker, I, you know what? Like I told you the story, I never thought I'd be able to reach him. But when finally I got in front of him and he gave me that big hug and he took me and I felt the love that he had for me, the respect for me, I got away from him. And the first thing I told him, I said, Mark, I, I got to push my luck. I said, would you be kind enough to do a video? I'm doing this project, Wrestling Academy in Canada for all the Canadian wrestlers, male and female, to make it to the big leagues. And I said, and out of respect for him, I never mentioned QT Marshall or the AW or nothing because I just, I didn't want to because he's with WWE and I respect that a hundred percent. So I just told him about Wrestling Academy. I said, would you mind giving me a little inspiration video and let's take a look at this who changed my life in the last 24 hours. Let's take a look at that. Absolutely. So all you young guys in Canada, the Wrestling Academy is the place you need to be. This guy's gonna get you on the path. Wow. You know, the, the man's going to the Hall of Fame. The man, you know, the man who let me give me three power drivers, you know, the, the man who always showed respect for me more than I deserve. And, you know, it's amazing that he goes and he gets into this project and he wishes all of the He's going to be one of the top wrestlers in the world of a lifetime. And he's telling you guys, listen to this guy, the Mount B, <laughs> and then follow his advice. And so he must have this, this respect, this confidence in me. But anyway, just going to tell you, the last 24 hours, I've got calls from different kind of people in different businesses that want to join into my project. I have a, a one thing I've been trying to get TV for this project for like eight months and everybody's turning it down because they're all skeptical. They want to see what's going to happen, how it is. And for the first time today, I'm not saying it's happening, but I had a, a, a production company who does big things for TV that, that wants to talk to me next week. So it's like, so who knows? I know I'm going to be on YouTube. I know I want everybody to subscribe, very, very importantly, to follow this thing, to be able to vote and to follow this, you gotta go on wrestling-academy.ca. You gotta subscribe. And why I want you to subscribe and why I want you to vote for these young talent in Canada, I'll tell you a good reason why. Because I honestly think, like I said, that there's some of these talent that are gonna make it to the big leagues one day. And if you guys voted him in, Imagine one day if he goes to wrestle in your own city and you come up to them and you tell them, hey, you're there because I voted for you. You know, <laughs> I, I made it happen for you. How much you'd feel great about yourself. And there's so much talent in Canada. But I'm going to have a list here. I have a paper. I'm looking. I'm going to look down here. Sorry, I got to tell you this. I got so many people from Ontario that are in this contest because, you know, it's amazing. And you, I got the, and the girls, I got. Cece Galavis, who's yeah. absolutely awesome. She speaks three languages. What a great marketable person for Spanish, English, and French. And she comes from Venezuela. She got this thing. And then I got Amy Crimson, 
who's she, she's just she's a she's a beast. You know, I I love the way she's working out lately. I see the videos she's doing. She's just working so hard. And then there's Laurel Cassidy, who I think she's like the Cindy Lauper of wrestling. You know, she she, she you know I I just love how she looks and how she's funny. She brings this charisma. She's got a great great chance to make it through. And then in the men, you got Jesse V from Ottawa. You got Mattis Meal from Hawkesbury. You got Matthew Grant from Hamilton. You got uh, KL Shock from Kingston. You got Mike Forty from Stone Creek, Stony Creek. You got Isaiah Bronson from Toronto. You got Matt Black from Toronto. You got Clay Wilson from Niagara Falls. And you had a couple that were in there too, but because of personal reasons, after eight months or, or injuries or stuff, they had to pull out. Or but but. So many talent are coming, and I'm thinking of AC Coca, who helped me through this because he showed he introduced me a lot of talent when we started, you know. And and he's got a great battle art. I know I've never seen it and stuff, but I hope one day I'll be able to get to see it. But he helped me a lot in this project. I want to thank him. So you know, you have all these Ontarians that are coming to try and steal this Quebec title, you know. <laughs> but it's going to be amazing because, and what's more amazing for me, Vancouver, Calgary. Winnipeg, Halifax, they're coming from all over. But I have to tell you, if you watched my gimmicks through all my life, the Quebec flag was always part of my home, like my, my history. And out of the 42 contenders that joined, there's 21 out of Quebec. You know, so for me, you know, I got to tell you, I wish everybody good luck. I really do. But I would really like to see at least one Quebecer or one female Quebec girl make it, you know, because it's my home project. And this is a nationwide project. Uh, seen worldwide, but created in Quebec. So, you know, I have the pride of saying at least I'll be able to pass the torch later on and, and give an opportunity to all these Canadian wrestlers. And one day, if those four people that make it down there at the Nightmare Factory, if two of them succeed, then they'll always be grateful to me to have put this contest together. And that's going to be for me the most important thing for me, just to say, hey, I helped some people make it like I did when I was 17, 18, 19 years old, and I wanted to become famous and, and make money. Absolutely. It's all about paying it forward. And I think not only have I heard the, the history of how much you've given back to the wrestling community in Quebec and how much you've helped put Canada on the map. Like I said, the Rougeau's in the East, the Hearts in the West. It's all kind of percolating. And I mean, you're pulling for the Quebec. I get it. But I myself, I'm pulling for the Ontarians. I have to be. I have to be. I, some, of those, some of those names you mentioned are very good friends of mine. Isaiah Bronson. Oh, yeah. Matt Grant, Mike Forte, and I are very good friends. AC Coker, you mentioned how he helped you. He's also helped me. He was the first one to trust me in my commentary. He gave me my first gig as a commentary. So, I mean, it's all about paying it forward. And you know what, though? Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. You got a lot of great Quebec talent over there. You do. I'm keeping my eye on for sure. Jeremy Jeremy Profit. Profit. Of course. I know. I know he's been in the business 19 years, never had a break, never went the right place at the right time. And now he has a great opportunity, but there's a lot of great talent. The other thing I want you to understand that's very, very important. I made a website, wrestling-academy.ca. And for the last, I got to tell you this, because there's four winners that are coming out of this thing. But you know what? Four winners with $5,000 and a chance to spend three months with QT at the Nightmare Factory. But you know what's more important than that? For the last eight months, Every talent that's in this thing has been seen worldwide. I've had exposure in every podcast around the world. I'm opening territories in Canada. Like people in Vancouver didn't even know that Halifax had a territory or had a, an organization. A lot of people are getting to knowing each other. And, and so I think, I honestly think that there's going to be 42 winners in this contest because QT Marshall's been following this for eight months. He's been checking every video. So even if it's not one of the four winners, he may have a soft spot for Isaiah Bronson. You know, if he didn't make it, let's say he didn't make it, but he knows what kind of talent because he's been following him for eight months. So this has been a winning streak for everybody that's participated in this thing. Absolutely. And I'll make sure that when this drops on YouTube, we're going to put that link to Wrestling Dash Academy in the bio so that everyone can check it out. But I got to say, you know, you, you mentioned four winners. So correct me if I'm wrong. And if I am, I apologize. One of them is going to be female talent. One of them is going to be a male singles talent. And the other two are going to be a tag team. Am I right in that? Yes, you are right with that. And you know, the reason why is because we only have eight girls and we have 34 men. So I wanted to make it even for the chances to be like that. And the other thing about the voting, which is awesome, is because like just one match that's put together just this week, it's going to be Sissy Galavis Mm -hmm. against Amy Crimson against Laurel Cassidy. 
It's going to be a triple threat match with the three girls, you know? And so what happens there? There's only one that's going to be eliminated in the first round. The two will keep going. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to have matches like three against threes, like the Black Quebecois against uh, KL Shock and, uh, and Paulius Mikis and, 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 and uh, Chad Daniels, you know, from Winnipeg. But what happens is those three against three people are going to be able to vote like for one on one team and two on the other team, you know? So it's not going to be the teams that are going to win. They're all going to be voted individually. So if you have a favorite one in one team in a tag team match and you have a favorite one in the other one, you could vote for them individually. So it's really going to be, the votes are going to be, the chances and the winning are going to be as good as you are in your last match. So if the last match you did and, and, and you did a great, you had a lot of charisma, and I'm giving you advice that I've been giving it to everybody, to win this match is you have to go to the philosophy of less is more. You're not in Mexico here. You know, you have to tell a story. You have to register. You have to sell the moves. You have to communicate with the fans. You could go in there and make a tremendous big move. You could do four in a row. But if you only do one and you turn to the fans and you get in their mind, they're going to keep you in their mind and they're going to vote for you. So it's more like the shimmy you'll have with the people is more important than the moves you're going to do in the ring. Mm -hmm. I get it. You have to, you have to be able to connect with that crowd. You got to make me feel like I have no other choice, but to vote for you. Like, like you're part of it. Like you're really part of it. You, you can be in a six man match and you can have one person that you identify with that really makes you tick, you know, and, and, and that person's going to be voted for. And that, wow. that, that, so that's what I'm suggesting to all the wrestlers in Ontario and everywhere that's listening to this work on your charisma and your character more than your moves. And to be honest with you, because I have two that are comedians, Gale Shock and Paul Yusmikis, they're so funny. They dance in the ring, they do all kinds of stuff, but they're like the bushwhackers in the old days. You know, they they they, they were drawn. And so, so, I, so I honestly believe that charisma is going to be the winner in this match. And I also, a lot of people ask me, well, Jean, what is charisma? And then I look at them, I say, well, I define charisma as, let's say I go in a sports bar and there's wrestling on TV. And watch my face. I come in the bar and I look up at the TV and wow, you know, and I keep going. Or I come in the bar, I look up at the screen and I put my head down. Then I look back up at the screen. You caught me. You got my attention because you're doing something that makes me react. That makes you caught my attention. That's charisma for me. Mm -hmm. No, you're absolutely 150% right. I mean, this right now. This is what a lot of those talents are going to be able to get. They're going to be able to get to have these one-on-one -on -one conversations with you, pick your brain, get advice to help them get better. And that as well is a huge factor in all of this because somebody that has the experience and the career that you've had, so much knowledge is in here that you could really add some spice and some layers to these characters. You can help these guys and girls go to that next level just by a few repeat. You've inspired the crap out of me. I want to come down there right now. I I do. I do. Stop it. Stop it. But, you know, to be honest with you, we're going to have great judges, you know, great coaches, I mean, that are going to be coaching them. So they're putting their matches together on Zoom and on phone and all this. But then when they come to the show the day early, they're going to walk their match in the ring. And I got great coaches. If you go on wrestling-academy.ca, you probably know a couple of the coaches mm -hmm. that are in there because they have at least 100 years of experience, the four coaches that are on there. So they're going to go ahead. And they're going to take these bodies, which I'm going to uh, compare them to cars. So they're going to take these cars and they're going to wash them all up. And then I'm going to go behind them and I'm going to wax it. And I'm going to put the wax on it. And so, so I think they honestly, with all these great coaches and with my waxing on top, my little knowledge that I may change something in the match to say that, hey, maybe that could be better, but it's up to you. It's your vote. It's your match. You do what you like. But here's my advice. And so I think with there, and they're all free to do what they want. There's no, you got to do this or you're going to do. I'm just there to be a, a, a springboard for them, like mm -hmm. in a pool. And that's all I am. I want them to spring on me and to jump as high as they can. And let's see how the future brings up to them and what happens to them. Well, I got to tell you, you're, you're making so many connections for Canadian wrestling. You're helping organizations that may have not known about each other know about each other now not only are you opening the floodgates possibly for eyes to be on canadian talent which is long overdue but also you're helping canadian promotions connect you're helping wrestlers connect and now canada is going to be able to see more of canada and that's the coolest fucking thing about all of this <laughs> thank you so much you're touching my heart
Absolutely. Thank well, so sir, much. this is this has been one amazing conversation. I could talk to you for hours, but I do have to push my luck now. Much like you said to The Undertaker, I got to push my luck. Not I it. consider myself a gift of the gab. I've got a way with words. And <laughs> if I could if I could play a game with you, it would be my honor. I call this game Promo 101, where we're going to cut a promo on one another. And it's always been a dream of mine to cut a promo on the Mountie. So would you okay. do me the honor and play this game with me? Please, please. All right, here we go. I'll, I'll do it for you first. So let, let's, let's set the scene. We are going to be facing each other at WrestleMania. It's going to be the Mountie versus George. And I have to get the fans on my side because you've already got that built-in fan base. So I'm going to come in to try to steal you. I'm all your- ears. I'm all, all right, ears. here we go. <laughs> you know what's funny? Mounties, they're like Canada's FBI. They're the long arm of the law. You look at somebody like me, gold chain, tattoos. I look like the kid who's been in and out of jail his whole life. Well, you're right. Nobody's given me a chance. I've ran from the law. I've hid from the law. But guess what, Mountie? I'm not running anymore. At WrestleMania, it's you and me. And when the long long arm of the law comes for me, all I'm going to do is break it. So be prepared. Because when I see you at WrestleMania, the only thing you're going to be doing is staring down in the dirt. And I'll be raising my hand. Very good. I can't top that. I'm too rusty. But I'll tell him make it a lot shorter than you. Okay. Let me tell you, let me tell you something, George McKay. I'm an international law enforcement officer. And I'll tell you one thing. The Mountie always gets his man. Is that Okay. <laughs> that's perfect you win i can't compete with that that's legendary oh, status you are the you do have the gift of the gab i love this segment it's the first and i really love it I, I love you man i don't know you george but you just uh you made my evening thank you uh, so much thank you very much sir you you honored me with your presence and it's been amazing and now i could say that i'm friends with the mountie and that's the coolest part because you are now officially a member of the straight talk family anytime you want to come back it will be our honor to have you I just want one thing for you to do for me. Just one thing. You got it. I see behind you that white spot that's empty there. Put put a mounty picture there or something. So when you do your next podcast, you'll be able to say, if ever anybody talks about me or something, you say, hey, he's my friend. That's right. <laughs> you got it. I will work on that. We're going to get that set up. I will. I, you send me an autograph, I'm going to put it right up there. That would be my honor. To have you on my studio would be amazing. <laughs> Thank you, George. And take care. And, and long life to wrestling-academy.ca. Absolutely. Guys, make sure you check out this contest. It's going to be amazing. All eyes on this. The prize, 5G's large for four winners, but also a three-month scholarship to the Nightmare Factory. You can't get any better than that. My guest today, Jacques Rougeau, the Mountie. It's been an honor and a pleasure. Peace, love, and wrestling, guys. See you next week. Peace. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to tune in next week for another great episode on all available podcast platforms and hosted on Podbean. Also, check us out on YouTube at Straight Talk Wrestling, on Instagram at Straight Talk Wrestling, on Facebook at Straight Talk Wrestling, and on Twitter at underscore Straight Talk. And if you feel the need to buy some sweet merch, check us out on ProWrestlingTees.com. Leaving the scene with no trace. Not in my lead. You out of place. I'm not at the top. I'm out of space. Can't eat with us. We're out of place. I'm doing fine. I'm feeling great. You're not my fan. You can't relate. Straight talk going state to state.